Hi, welcome to Memory Chips Podcast. I am Anne Wyshynski, and I have a collection of potato chip bags from around the world. And every so often, I go through this collection, and a certain bag or bags will bring up memories of people, places, ideas, and I really want to share these with you. So if you please subscribe, you will never miss a bag. memory chippers. Welcome to Italian meat flavor. That is the first flavor of the first bag that I collected in my potato chip bag collection. And who better to unpack this with than somebody who was there when I got it. So today I invited my dear friend, Dr. Jessica Kendall, but I call her she, which means West in Mandarin. And she calls me Nan, which means South. And we call each other those names because that was what our foot juggling teacher in China called us. In 2005, she was in a master's program at SOAS in London. And she came to China where myself and Orlean Carlos and Carlos Gentile were all studying antipodism with the Hebei Acrobatic Troupe of China in Shijiazhuang. There was a reason why you came to China. What was it? Yeah, when I had set up my research um, and was doing my proposals, I was thinking about looking at Chinese acrobats training in China and performing abroad without really knowing what was there on the ground in real life. And I had a month-long break, and I thought maybe this is a perfect opportunity to really see what's there. At some point during... She's stay. Our teacher Li Laoshe decided to take us by train from Shijiazhuang to Wuchao. It's about four hours, and it was in that empty, desolate train station in Wuchao that I spotted the Italian meat flavor chips. And I really wanted to remember this feeling of discomfort of not knowing what was happening around me, so I saved the bag. So I wouldn't forget that moment. And this was the start of my potato chip bag collection. When we were in Wuchao together was the first time that you'd been to Wuchao. Yes. And that was the first time that I'd been to Wuchao. And, <laughs> and do you remember or know what the purpose of our trip to Wuchao was? <laughs> Is this a trick question? <laughs> Like, I should just put this out there in the podcast. I've had three children since this has happened. So my memory is a bit demolished. <laughs> I mean, I I would kind of surmise, uh, this isn't really based on any memory or direct recollection, mm -hmm. that, you know, it's the home of acrobatics and it was close. And that's where Carlo and Orlean initially trained. And I was looking at the Italian meat flavor potato chip photos. And then I was like, okay, what, what were we doing there? And then I realized <laughs> the reason why we went there was because I had started studying and I needed to buy props. 
Now I remember, I remember. And, and, and it was an excuse. It was an excuse to take you. I mean, it was, I think it was all of those things, but I think that Carlo and Orlean needed like new jars and props and I needed umbrellas. And I think that we, I think that we were making a trip to go shopping. Um, and you were, you wanted to see what was going on too. That was, that's what I thought basically. Cause I, I just realized like the whole thing of not understanding what was going on ever also it started there. Like why, why, why are we on this train for four? What is going on? I think that not understanding what is going on is like such a normal state of being for me that like, it didn't even cause me to think <laughs> what is going there. Of course. I know. Well, I mean, that's, that's why it's so, that's why it's so impressive to me that you were still, you were doing ethnography or you were, you know, trying to do ethnography. It's like, what, I I think the goal of that is trying to understand what's going on. In some way, in some way, but I actually think that if, if that's tight, you know, trying to understand what's going on in a very tight way it actually is really hard to do ethnography, right. you know, that in some way you have to be like a baby who is yeah. just open to everything. Right. And, and, and then see what's happening in the moment. Did you get that picture that I sent you? Yes. I just saw it. It was amazing. Okay. So you don't remember <laughs> that, do you? No, I, I remember, you... I remember my coat, but that's it. <laughs> the black, the black, furry long coat the black rat coat that was actually my mother's coat oh really yeah you still have it no (laughs) it would be be perfect for Montreal it would be yeah but I think I used it as a duvet when I first moved to the UK because I didn't want to spend 20 bucks on a duvet there so I was like my coat is gonna double yes (laughs) <laughs> my checkered past oh my probably. gosh <laughs> so um yeah so then because I think what well what I'm remembering of that is that that pic the picture of me holding the bag of the Italian meat um, flavor and you looking at it um I think that was taken in the train station because there was like this empty shop there yeah. that like nobody- I, re- I remember the feeling of that shop that kind yeah. of like half empty not really occupied yeah. yeah and there was like a it looked like it was a gift shop it looked like there were like little trinkets and stuff in like display cases but like the lights were off but it could have been in the middle of the day when everyone was taking a nap like nap time and it's not always empty and we just encountered it during an empty time but somebody must have sold us I don't think I stole those bat- chips so somebody must have <laughs> sold them to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember your enthusiasm for all the chips that were there (laughs) that I remember clearly. Yeah. Well that one, okay. So that one, that particular bag was really confusing. And I think it, I was confused the whole time that we were there. And, but, but the thing is like on the way back after we had seen the sites and, and done all the things I was confused by the the fact that it would be Italian meat flavor, that that would be the flavor. And then traveling with Carlo Gentile, this Italian American (laughs) guy. And it's like, here, Carlo, these are for you, Italian meat flavor. And then trying to guess, like, what do you think Italian meat flavor is? I think it was, um, I I just remember it tasting like bouillon, like beef bouillon. Yeah. You know, you mean, as opposed to being named Another meat flavor, like yeah. um, Chinese meat flavor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like culinary wise, there's like 
some kind of links between China and Italy. And I'm, I'm saying this based out of nothing other than noodles and mm-hmm. pasta. And there's some kind of discussion about that that I don't know much about. Right. So maybe there's, there's a reference to that that would be relevant for people. Once a year for the clown festival, right? Isn't that when foreigners go to Wuchow? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a general circus festival, right? Oh, I thought it was a clown. I thought it was maybe a, I'm yeah. thinking of the the Zhong one. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe that. But um, yeah, so that it's a circus festival. I guess there are foreigners that go there, um, but they don't. Ha- that <laughs> that's the only concession to foreigners, like having an Italian meat flavor. That's because <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember it being especially hospitable to people that don't understand what's happening. In terms of what the well, just tourist facilities, like <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, even it, it's it's not even it's not even um, hospitable for Chinese tourists, which I think that the Wu Chao acrobatics world, you know, who knows if that's even a draw for Chinese tourists. But um, but let's let I think a little bit from what I've heard, a little bit. But let's so let's talk about Wu Chao Acrobatics World. So I think, you know, I was I called it. So I wrote a blog post at the time that was called like the what was it? The dingiest theme park in the world or something like that. I don't something remember. Something subtle like that. Something subtle. Yeah. <laughs> but but it was like, you know, it was such a surprise to have t- taken this train ride to four, you know, four hours into the countryside and then show up at this train like really b- barren train station and then be taken to Wuchao Acrobatics World i didn't have any idea what was going to what to expect there oh, okay but I that's imagine that's I, did. I imagine okay I so well i'll just i'll just tell i'll just give you a few of my memories and see if it triggers anything for you but um so there was these there was wall it's it was a walled like theme park full of people do, doing folk Chinese folk acrobatics. So there was like a guy walking up a ladder of knives and then like, you know, like doing some sort of swan thing with his stomach balancing on this uh, yeah. thing of knives. And then there was another, a girl doing a diversion. <laughs> Do you remember this? It was a little girl. She was dressed in like an, a green and yellow polyester, like um, flouncy thing. And she was doing, she was probably, I'd say, seven or eight, and she was doing contortion on the ground with no mat or anything. And then there was an old man sitting next to her smoking a cigarette, and and he was wearing like some sort of weird Confucius hat and whatever. And I didn't. That was the. I did not understand what were they trying. Was he just there? Was he her teacher and just sitting next to her? Or was that some sort of thing going on that was? like an act that I didn't get. Like, do you remember <laughs> yeah, that? I, I remember this. I have photos of all of, of, of that part of the, the acrobatics world. Um, I think it was just casual, you know, it was just that casual. <laughs> That's what it looks like. I think for sure, either a, a teacher, trainer, leader of some sort, yeah. you know, sort yeah. of hovering and, you know. I like that that you said that because that re- that's kind of like a representative of this idea of having a teacher hovering, which was our situation, mm-hmm. which was this thing that made me feel safe, 
not know, knowing what was going on. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like he was there, he knew what was going on. He, maybe he, we weren't able to communicate with him, but I mean, he wasn't, it wasn't, uh, yeah, he was like a guide guide. So anyway, so, um, but that's, that Did you, you found that like supportive, you found that sort of, what? protective element. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I always felt like he, I felt like he had our best interests in mind. Mm -hmm. Don't you? Yeah. I mean, for, for certain. Yeah. I think when I went back there to do my research, it was very, the context was different, you know, and what I wanted to be able to do was um, outside of just the scope of, of course, coming there and training. So then it was like, for me, it became kind of negotiating that relationship in a different yeah. kind of way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you remember it, but you don't remember the, you don't remember the walls with these weird statues vaguely, in there? Vaguely, vaguely. Okay. Cause they were, uh, they were telling some sort of story of sa- certain sages and they were, they were dioramas. They were life-size or bigger than life-size dioramas of uh paper mache things or fiberglass i don't know if they're made of fiberglass paper mache but we couldn't go in there they were like you could just look in and then there were little signs but they were like in chinese um talking about what they were and then you just walk along those walls and they look into those little rooms and they had the dioramas in there and they had nothing to do with acrobatics and that was another thing I was so confused. I was like, are we in a different dimension? Like, did we go when we got up on the walls? Are we out of Chinese acrobatics world? And there's like a new thing going on up here or like it was that was super confusing. <laughs> you're, you're, well, it's interesting. Like here, I have this vague recollection of of that part of the structure. And it just hearing what you're saying is making me think of um, I was in Egypt and uh, we went to Alexandria and we went inside this tomb and inside this tomb, there was this overlap between hieroglyphics, um, Roman sort of aesthetic of burial and Arabic language. And like looking at this kind of like um, co- uh, congregation of these different cultural elements that one wouldn't necessarily think were going to come together, you know? Yeah. And I think it's kind of, like that you know that they're mm-hmm. it's easy to compartmentalize this is acrobatics this is this this is that but like really there's so much fluidity in in what's happening and so whatever kind of underlying maybe um s- spiritual orientation or kind of uh folk religious orientation that might be present in Wu Chao is going to show up in in ways that you know may take yeah. a tourist or someone who's foreign back a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, so I think it's funny that, you know, here, like we're, we're kind of talking about how it's okay not to understand what's going on. It's okay to like, let somebody just think, but at the same time, we're trying to explain it like that. We're, that we're yeah. still, we're still trying to, to be like, I wonder what was, you know, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's in some way unavoidable, you know, like with a certain coming from a certain background, coming from a certain culture, coming from a certain academic instruction, you know, that that that's what's going to be. But I mean, I think it's kind of different to make a distinction of this is how it is versus these are some observations. And, you know, we're being self-reflexive about it, knowing that it's just um, 
it's not the truth or the reality. It's just kind of like an interpretation of it. But I found when I was writing my thesis that most of my writing was ethnographic because I felt like the storytelling element of it was like the most the most kind of evocative and effective way to touch on what that time and place was from mm-hmm. my vantage point versus trying to put a direct academic theory on it, you know, mm-hmm. because... I mean, of course, like part and parcel to doing a PhD, you, you've got to engage with theory on some level. But I felt like to kind of evoke a certain kind of ambiance or like what that kind of because it's really interesting, right? This space where there's these, you know, a smoking old man and a young girl in this neon costume and then these dioramas like this is really I mean, I felt like when I lived, I lived with a, the Sudanese group of acrobats who were there and it was in an amusement park. And it was like being in a Fellini film. I mean, that's really what it felt like. It felt like the most like obscure way of living. And um, and I think just to, like for me, it's not really explanatory. It's more like storytelling. It's mm-hmm. telling a story from a perspective, right. no judgments necessarily. Right, right, yeah. yeah. Okay, so good. So tell a story, <laughs> tell, tell the story of... Uh, when we went from the hotel, I think we were going from the, were we going from the hotel or to the, and to the restaurant or to a restaurant from the hotel? I think there and maybe back. I mean, (laughs) we were going across the street is where we were going. (laughs) We we were going across the street. Yeah. Like it was a, it was a wide street, but how wide do you think it was? Maybe like probably 30 feet and then like uh, 20 feet down, but we didn't know we were going across the street. I mean, we thought we were going to this restaurant. The taxi was called. We get in the taxi. We start to go. And then we start to stop right across the street. (laughs) That's where the restaurant was. I love how we called a taxi to drive across the street. Yes. And that was so confusing. We're like, and I think we looked at each other and we're like, what? (laughs) But, you know, I guess, you know, we're all built differently. And yeah, yeah remember that moment and many other moments in in China with you guys that you know with the not knowing with the what is going on with what you know trusting someone else to kind of take the reins in that way that to approach being in that position of not knowing with openness and humor like there's, yeah. there were so many funny things yeah. and you know it it's um you know, I've seen a lot of people in, in travels, uh, they get really resistant, they get really controlling, they get yeah. really freaked out, you know, right. but I, I, I feel that the situation is the best and most difficult opportunity to, to go in that way and to yeah. practice those things. But I think it takes a lot of consciousness and I think it takes, um, you know, just a lot of willingness to, be in a place of real uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. So when we got to that restaurant that was across the street um, in in the taxi, I had to use the bathroom. They pointed into like, you know, there's a bathroom. And I opened, I opened up the door and it was like just a room, like closet with tile, tiled closet, like windows and floors. And there was a yellow, I don't know why I remember it as yellow, but I remember it as being yellow. There was a yellow plastic bucket on the floor and a hose. <laughs> and I was like, what am I, how am I supposed to do this? This is a basic f- function. And I'm like, I don't know how to ask how to yeah. use this. I don't know how to use, 
I don't know if I'm supposed like, I didn't have to poo luckily, but I had to pee <laughs> and I was like, okay, do I just pee in the bucket and leave it in there? Or do I like, what's the hose for? Do I, do I, do I dump it in some, like I was looking for a drain. I don't think, I think there might've been a drain, but I remember like being in there and like a hose in a bucket. Like I have to pee. How do I do it? Like, what do, how this do I like take, a, this is like the makings of a strategy game, a strategy board game. <laughs> So I think what I did was, I think I'm going to pee it in the bucket and then dumped it in the drain and then hosed it out. That's, I think that's what I did. What would you have done? If I was just peeing, I would have peed in like over the drain and then hosed in the bucket and dumped the water over the drain. <laughs> kind of eliminate that middle step of pee okay. going in there and there. Okay. <laughs> what would but, you have done uh, if you had to, what have you, would you have done if you had to poo? If I had to poo, I would have pooped in the bucket, used the hose to wash my bum. Okay. And left it at that. And then left left it in there. Be, they're not really giving you an option, right? Like no. other than that. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's like things like that. It was like, wow, like I thought I knew how to go to the bathroom, but I guess, <laughs> I, guess I don't. I love that. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I... Not to say every time I go to the toilet, I would like to relearn in a new way how to go, but <laughs> yeah. but there's something so, um, it's just such a reminder, you know, that yeah. like all this stuff that we think is normal is not normal. No. It's exactly. totally particular, cultural, yeah. and it's, uh, and it's something, it makes you wake up if you have yeah. to think about it. Right. Like if you don't just kind of like, I was uh, watching a documentary a while ago about uh, uh, Sudanese refugees that came to the U.S. And I remember watching one scene where they were taking uh, Lucky Charms and putting them in a mortar and pestle and crushing them and then making porridge, you know, and just the kind of like what would occur, you know, and what does occur to me when I go to another place. And, you know, the not knowing what's going on relating to like in our case a teacher kind of guiding you and taking you and putting you here and you know taking care of you and the beauty of that and then also for me a little bit of the frustration of that like wanting I wanted more not to know what was going on that not knowing what was going on for me is is the most rich place and um even in the creative process you know like it's all it's all that and it's it's the willingness to go in the dark and to trust yourself and um and for me, Wu Chao was the freedom of, that I found there it was because I was taking trips f- at first with a person who was going to select acrobats, but then by myself to see the groups of, of people. And, 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 and for me, ultimately, I found that not knowing is the, is the most, um, it's the richest, most prosperous way to live. Yeah. Yeah. How do we stay in that mindset? You have to just keep it in mind. You have to remember like, okay, the the last time I let things go, the last time I did this was rewarding and it will be this time, you know? And yeah. um, And I think, I think too, you know, especially in the, in the times we are in right now, I think everything is opportunity for that, frankly, you know, like for, mm -hmm. for me, like if fear comes up or resistance to reality um, for me, there's every opportunity and the not knowing of what's going to happen in the pandemic and the not knowing of what's going to happen next week, next mm-hmm. month with all of the uncertainty that is been brought to the surface. Like that's like 
curriculum to me, you yeah. know, yeah, and sure. it's not as, it's not as uh, fancy and sexy as going to Wu Chow, you know, <laughs> although I never thought I'd say Wu Chow is sexy. sexy. You know? <laughs> Did you ever, um, throughout your time in China, getting these different chips, getting the different potato mm -hmm. chips, was there something specific for you about Italian meat flavor and Wu Chow and that time? Like, mm no so so yeah so basically the thing about the chips like the the um is that i started collecting them as like memory aids like i i actually mm. I, did, i collected them because i thought like i was like there's something in here i'm trying to figure out like that and i didn't never really figured it out and like the reason why i'm doing this is to try to unravel like what what is the reason that i collected these bags truthfully like i pretty much don't remember where i collected any of these bags Do you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I look at them, like I have like 500 things and I can't tell you like, Oh, I got this here or th this there. It's like, I can tell what country they're from. Um, so the, so the Italian meat flavor, like I don't have that bag, but I was trying to figure out like, that was the, when I, because all of those ones from the first, all the bags that I got from the first, uh, uh, time to Ch in China, they're, they, I threw them away or they got lost or something like that. So I don't have them, but I know that I, um, I kept track of them in writing. So I know that that was the first one that I decided that I was going to keep. That was the first one ever. Yeah. That's why, wow. I'm, that's why I want to, want to talk about it because that was the first one that I decided like, I'm going to start collecting. That was the decision-making one. I'm going to collect this because I don't understand why I don't, I don't know why I'm collecting this. I don't know why I'm interested in this, but I think it's kind of interesting that this, you know, Italian meat flavor in written in Chinese and whatever is here in Wu Chow. And it was just this kind of dissonance that was interesting to me. And then I thought, well, if I keep collecting this, like, I'll remember, this is my souvenir. I mean, I think I remember thinking that like, this is my souvenir of Wu Chow. It encapsulates my whole like sense of confusion about what's going on here. <laughs> and then, then I just kept, then I, then I started collecting them But the thing is that sometimes I collect them at like in tens, you know, like in England or like in the UK, there's so many potato chip flavors. And sometimes I go to Tesco's or something and there's like 50 bags that I've never seen. So I'll buy all of them. Do you eat so, all the chips? Like, no, I taste them. But if they're yeah. gross, I don't eat them. I just throw them away or give them to somebody else. Do you remember? Um, did you eat the Italian meat flavor? Yeah. Ones? Yeah. I, I remember that because I wrote it down that it tasted like beef bouillon. I'm, I'm basically trying to reconnect with the memory of, of that and process those because eventually I'm going to get rid of, I want to get rid of this collection and I want to feel like I've processed it. Mm. That's so, nice. Yeah. That's beautiful. So that's kind of, it is. Right? Well, I think we're just living that, right? We don't really know what's going on. No, exactly. What's going on. We don't know. That's it. We just no. lived it. Man. <laughs> we did. Job well done. Yeah. Woo. But they tell you meat flavor. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And if you have any questions or comments about what you heard today, please post them to the review section of your podcast player. So if you use Apple Podcasts, 
you click on the show thumbnail and scroll down to leave a review. And then whatever happens after that is up to you. But hopefully it's nice. You can also leave posts at, on Instagram at, at memory chips podcast.